following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. This is Leviticus 25, 8-13. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the year to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return, every one of you, to your property and every one of you to your family. The 50th year shall be a jubilee year for you. You shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or harvest the unpruned vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. In this year of jubilee, you shall return, every one of you, to your property. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. So today we're beginning a 22-week series in the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Super hyped about it. <laughs> you're not going to believe it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'll explain more about that shortly. Um, why that was our reading today. Today we are not starting a 22-week series in the book of Leviticus, but we are starting a, a Lenten series. It is the season of Lent, which is a season when uh, Christians typically prepare themselves for the high holy day of Easter and uh, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Lent is a season that is typically marked um, by acts of repentance by an intentional deepening of our spiritual disciplines and practices, and by um, sort of a soberness about the reality of mortality. Um, (laughs) I'm going to choose not to take that as a sign of of my impending mortality. (laughs) Um, I like that the uh, fresh air is coming through the sanctuary, but... Maybe no more creepy doors swinging open right after I talk about death. Um, Wow. Usually takes me much longer to get distracted and off topic. (laughs) Hopefully we'll just get it out of the way here. So that's what Lent usually is. Not the doors popping open, but, you know, the repentance and the spiritual disciplines and the mortality. Um, And we're going to observe the season of Lent a little differently this year. For some reasons that you can probably guess and some reasons that might surprise you. And so I'm going to talk about that to our observance of Lent kind of more generally to to start out here. First of all, you may have noticed that we didn't host or even really like make any kind of official connection with another church to observe Ash Wednesday this year. And Ash Wednesday is the traditional um, beginning of the season of Lent, Um, you know, when you go and have the the, um, ashes imposed on your forehead and person doing that says, remember that you're dust, and to dust you shall return. And um, there were some kind of pragmatic challenges with Ash Wednesday this year, but also my sense is that we've had about two years of the world rubbing ashes on our foreheads saying, remember that you're dust, and to dust you shall return. 
I didn't actually think that we needed a whole lot of that to, to kick us off into this season. So um, for those of you who have found that a really important observance, I'm sorry that we didn't have one. I hope that you were able to find another community locally. Situations like that are always a great opportunity for you to connect with other, other Christians in our area. Um, so we're, we, we didn't do Ash Wednesday. That's one thing. Um, Along the same lines, by the way, during the season of Lent, you're not supposed to sing any songs that have the word hallelujah in them. And we're going to break that rule starting right after the sermon. <laughs> um, and that's, that's intentional, too. I want you in the midst of, you know, recognition of the realities of some desolation, which is what, part of what Lent is about. I want you to be reminded that there's still reason to say hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. The other thing that's a little different, typically during Lent, I would say at least nine years out of ten, now we've only had, what, 17, so I, you know, it's, a, it's a small sample size, but I would say about 90% of the years during the season of Lent, we use the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a schedule of scripture readings that goes all year round and actually goes on a three-year cycle, and we use it a lot during the year, but we almost always use it during seasons like Lent and Advent, and we're only kind of using it this year. Um, one of the reasons that I like using the lectionary is because it gives you a predictable schedule for the scripture passages that we'll engage with on Sundays, which allows those of you who want to study them ahead of time an easy way to know which ones to choose. I think that's a really neat part of the season of Lent, and we're, we're losing it somewhat this year because I'm taking the Lent passages and kind of putting them, sprinkling them around in, in throughout the series, so it's not going to be on that same schedule. Uh, but... You could still use the lectionary if you want to, if you, if you want to have a schedule of your Bible reading, if you're into Bible reading. But the other thing is, as I said a few minutes ago, I spent three weeks kind of laying out three different simple spiritual practices that you could do anytime and anywhere. They don't require you to do a whole lot of Bible study, um, which doesn't mean that I don't think you should do Bible study. It's more that I'm sensing the reality on the ground is that for some of us, we're going from zero spiritual practice and jumping all the way up to spending a half an hour studying something and using our brain super hard. Um, does that even a way that you use your brain? My brain is apparently not working, but that's not really the, that's not the incremental step that a lot of us need right now. So the simple spiritual practices that I gave you don't require you to have the schedule of the lectionary in front of you, although it could be part of it as well if you wanted to make it such. Um, by the way, the reminder about those spiritual practices, we did the Ignatian examine, where you think about how God's presence has been with you, how your presence has been with God. We started our service today saying, come ye sinners, and come Lord Jesus. There it is. Both aspects of that. The second one was centering prayer, which you can use a word or image from scripture to do. And the third one was fasting. And I, I specifically said, if you were here last week, that one of the things you might consider is taking a break from social media, which is not truly specifically, like literally a fast, but it's a type of practice that might be useful to you. Um, <clears throat> now, I wonder, have any of you done any of those things? Have you done the Ignatian prayer? Have you done the centering prayer? Have you stepped away from social media at all? Yeah. I have some. I haven't done a perfect job of it. Um, by the way, if you didn't start already, Wednesday is the start of Lent. So if you didn't start already, I'm sorry, it's too late. Um, <laughs> you can try spiritual practices again next year. <laughs> right. I appreciate that you're all laughing and that you get the joke, but I also know that some of you were thinking that way. 
I think that way sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's Thursday. Shoot. We didn't have Ash Wednesday to remind me. And here I am sitting at inst- looking at Instagram. Oh, well, I guess I better keep looking at Instagram. <laughs> right? <laughs> My friends, don't believe the lie. That's a lie. It's never too late. You can always start. And you can always start over. So if you were real good on Wednesday, kind of good on Thursday, and gave it up on Friday, don't remember Saturday, just start over again. Listen, there's, there's nobody keeping track. You're not going to get quizzed on your way into the life to come. Do you remember 2022? I know it was COVID and everything, but you really did not do a great job of staying off of social media every single day. Right? This is all silliness. It's all a lie. Do something. Something is almost always better than nothing. And you can always start, even if it's not the right start time. And if you mess it up, you can always start over. In fact, that brings me to the, the theme of this whole Lenten series. As you can see on the screen, it's called Lenten Jubilee, which sounds a little bit oxymoronic. I recognize that. So let me explain what that means. Um, Jubilee is a concept from the Hebrew Bible, what we commonly call the Old Testament. It was a Jewish observance in um, the, the ancient times of the Israelites. And if you were to read the entire chapter of Leviticus 25, you'd see a much more detailed version of how it was to be lived out. You'd learn that this was a command given to Moses on Mount Sinai. So apparently it was more than just those ten words on the stone tablets. There must have been like a notebook too that Moses had. (laughs) It came out a little bit later. Oh, by the way, while I was up there, I also learned about this stuff. Um, Jubilee is, the idea of Jubilee is that it's a, a, sub, a Sabbath year or a sabbatical year of sabbatical years. By the way, this is, the word sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, right? If you didn't know that, I'm sure you probably could have guessed that, but maybe you never thought about it before. Um, I had a pastoral sabbatical, as some of you know, in uh, 2019 when I was, I think I was four years old that year. <laughs> yeah, it's been... 40 years since 2019. Yes, that's right. I, was, I must have been four years old. Um, but the people were to observe Sabbath, as you know, every week. It's one, that's actually, that did make the cut for the stone tablets. It was the, you shouldn't work on the seventh day of the week because God rested on the seventh day and so should you. And so should all the people in your household, including the slaves. Oh, did I say slaves? Yes, we had slaves. Including um, the animals. Nobody is to work on the Sabbath day. That concept got extended so that every seven years there was a Sabbath year and the whole community was to rest in a different way. And that included a lot of agricultural resting and letting the fields lie fallow and so forth. And then every seven, seven years, which is to say 49 years, and the, the, the scripture does give us the math. It does the math for us in case we aren't able to do it ourselves. Um, It says, you shall hallow the 50th year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property, and every one of you to your family. And the idea here is that everything kind of gets reset. 
Now, if you were to read all of Leviticus 25, you would find some funny and maybe some not-so-funny things contained in that passage about how the Jubilee year was to be observed. Um, For example, one of the things that you definitely can't do in the Jubilee year is cheat your neighbor, which seems like maybe that should be an every-year rule. (laughs) And of course it was. The people of God were told not to cheat their neighbors in all kinds of different places in the scriptures, in all kinds of different ways. But this is like... In the Jubilee year, you really shouldn't cheat your neighbors. That's kind of funny to me. Um, Then there's this passage that says, Any one of your kin, if any one of your kin falls into difficulty and sells a piece of property, then the next of kin shall come and redeem what the relative has sold. This one strikes me like somebody went to Moses and said, So, one of my kin (laughs) happens to have fallen into difficulty. All right, what should I do? And then it gets codified for the whole community to do. That's my little theory about how that kind of thing comes about. But it's, it's an example of something that happens a lot in the scriptures, which I actually think is quite beautiful, which is that you get this really weird, specific regulation that actually illustrates something quite beautiful and deep, which is that if I have someone who's part of my family who's on hard times and has had to sell their property in order to feed their family then it's my responsibility as one of their kin to go and buy that property back and return it to them at my cost. That's quite a beautiful and honorable idea. It would be really nice if people lived that kind of way. So every 50 years or 49 years, there's some argument about whether you observed it on the 49th year or after the 49th year, um, that would be something that people were reminded This is the way we are formed as the people of God. So get busy doing it for real now. Debts would be wiped away in the year of Jubilee, which is really great if you owe a debt, and maybe not so great if someone owes you a debt. And if you've ever been a person who loaned somebody something and they didn't make good on that, That affects you. It affects your emotions for sure, but it also can affect your well-being and your livelihood. And this was the year of Jubilee, and it said, we're all in this together, essentially. Do you see how it requires a lot of trust of the other people of God? It was like a pressing of the reset button. And I'm really fascinated by how this kind of thing can feel really good in theory and then when you're on the other end of it or when it doesn't quite fit with what's happening in your life, it doesn't seem so great after all. So I've chosen to illustrate this with a story of playing video games. (laughs) When I was in college, um, I got really good at FIFA soccer, FIFA 95 to be specific, on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, in case you're wondering. I got really good at it because... um, well, let's just say repetition. And <laughs> what I learned was that if you play with Brazil, the left forward could always score from this particular spot on the field. And the right forward could always score at a different spot on the other side of the field. And so um, there was like this big like, jockey basketball player guy who was bragging about how good he was at FIFA 95. And I said, well, let's play. And so he said, okay, come up to my room. I've got a Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And he put the cartridge in there. And um, we started to play, and it was one nothing. 
and then it was 2 nothing, and then it was 3 nothing, and 4 nothing, and 5 nothing, and then he said, oops, my foot slipped, and he kicked the Super Nintendo Entertainment System right on the little purple button that presses reset. <laughs> um, nowadays, we would call that rage quitting. <laughs> we didn't have that language back then. <laughs> And it's a silly story, I recognize that, but I want you to understand that pressing the reset button doesn't always feel good for everybody involved. And if we're being formed by God into the people of God, sometimes the reset button being pressed is going to cost us something. And that's kind of by by design. Other stuff that happened in Jubilee. Fields were to be left fallow, not tended. Right? Yahweh promised to provide. And this is really interesting. Yahweh promised that in the sixth year, I'm going to give you a 3x yield in your fields. Because in the seventh year, you're not supposed to reap of those fields. And also, by the way, you're not supposed to plant anymore. So the eighth year is kind of hosed also. So you need to make it all the way to the ninth year. And it's built right into the little, the little legal explanation here. Yahweh's going to give you an extra bit in the sixth year. And that requires trust in God, which is another aspect of this sort of idea. Um, All of the bond servants would be to release if they were Israelites, and here's one of the times when something very troubling makes its way into the law of God, and we could talk at length about how and why that happens, but if they were slaves taken from other nations, they were, you were allowed to keep them and continue to own them. And if you think this kind of language was in, in the Bible was not appropriated by southern preachers in the slavery era of the United States, you would be wrong, unfortunately, because this kind of language was appropriated in order to tell people, to demand of the country, that slavery was God's ordained way of structuring society. Right. Never underestimate how badly your own twisted spirit can twist what's found in scripture and be used to oppress other people. And if you'll allow me 30 seconds of slightly angry sidetracking, it's kind of infuriating when people who argue for liberation and who argue for affirmation are told that they're the ones twisting the words of Scripture. But it happens. So, this Jubilee stuff, the further you read into into chapter 25, the the more specific and kind of weird it gets, to be honest with you. And and yes, you can see the legalism beginning to creep in. And and yes, as I said, you can see the influences of culture creeping in. Which, again, is also flipped around on people saying, you're just listening to the culture rather than what God wants. And I say, well, maybe. But have you considered that maybe you are doing that? (laughs) All right, that's not what the sermon is about today. The basic concept of Jubilee is starting over. And although it can be painful, I want to lean into the fact that it can be beautiful and liberating as well. The basic concept is simply starting over. All of the junk that has accumulated 
Literally, in the case of the fields, the crop fields, and also in figuratively in all of the interpersonal relationships and in financial dealings, all of that stuff that has accumulated just gets wiped away, just gets to reset. And what I want you to imagine during this season of Lent is that impossible idea of having a fresh start right in the middle of a season that's telling us that we should be focusing on desolation and somberness. And I actually think that's not an oxymoron. I think this is how it has always been for God's people. Who, by the way, one more little fact about Jubilee. They pretty much never did it. (laughs) There's no evidence anywhere that they ever did it. If they had, imagine what the world would have been like, right? But I actually think that tension between Lent and Jubilee is always with us, whether it's the season of Lent, whether it's the year of Jubilee, or anywhere in between. And so the, the word jubilee actually literally means a trumpet blast. Did you catch in that passage that, the, that it was announced with a trumpet blast? And so I want you to imagine whatever junk has accumulated in your life over the past two years or seven years or 49 years. If you truly got a reset on that, what would, what would that look like? What would be the things that you would put on the please reset this list? I bet we'd each have a different list. And we'd share a lot of things together too, and hopefully that will come out in the course of this series. But whatever's on your list, I want you to imagine, maybe close your eyes and just imagine a big old splatty trumpet blast announcing the reset button having been pressed on all of that junk. Let me tell you one last thing about how this series will unfold for us. This is not precisely speaking a one-to-one implementation of Jubilee concepts, but I think it makes sense kind of in the spirit of the idea. And we're going to be making some changes over the next several weeks to um, how we gather together, what we do. These are things that the staff and leadership team have perceived it's kind of like maybe time to do and, and would be a good, time to, uh, a good way to do it is in the course of this Lenten Jubilee series. So... Um, a a non-exhaustive list follows. (laughs) We will be gradually reincorporating some of the components that we removed from our liturgy when we went fully remote almost exactly two years ago. I mean, it's like within a week of almost exactly two years ago. It was March 15th, I'm pretty sure. Whew, I didn't realize that. I just need to sit with that for a second. Um, Over the next six weeks, not all at once, we're going to look at reinstating the, the passing of the peace. We're going to um, begin having the children start out with us here in the sanctuary. <laughs> yes. yes, a lot of us have missed the, the, the um, young faces um, here with us, um, which means we'll have a children's moment and we'll have a sending moment when they go down to their classrooms and um, they'll come back in and we're going to return to having five songs. We've been doing four or even three at time. We're going we're gonna to try to fold back into having full bands with 
drums and all that stuff like we've done the last couple of weeks, uh, and more, more stuff as well. So this also means that our, our service time is going to go back toward what it used to be, right? We've been pretty much hitting 59 minutes <laughs> for a long time. We're going to be creeping back towards an hour 15, something like that, just so you know, right? When I was a kid in church, service was always one hour, 11 to 12. And everybody had those stupid watches that beeped on the hour. <laughs> I, I was like, even then I had empathy for the pastor because in that liturgy, he, like the sermon was the last thing. And it was like, go away after the sermon. Or go in peace, I think. Um, <laughs> but he'd be up there preaching and then suddenly he'd be like, beep, 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 beep. And they weren't all synchronized like our phones are today, so everybody had them set like within a minute or two of each other. It's like two minutes of beeping in the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, some things are better about being a pastor now than back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, that's not kind. <laughs> Did you just... Someone just beeped me out of here. All right. <laughs> I don't want to overemphasize this practical stuff, but I think, I, I think it will help us kind of get our, our spirits in the same place here. I'll just encourage you to be thinking about what would you like to reclaim that has been lost? What do you want to embrace for the first time? And, and maybe most importantly, what do you want to leave in the ground? What do you want to let decay and hope that it fertilizes the next good thing that's going to grow? Can you hear the trumpet blast announcing those things? We're going to take communion together, and this is the first liturgical change that will take effect. You probably saw that the communion elements are on the communion table. Now, we're not going back to dipping pieces of bread into cups of juice and wine. It's a little soon for that. But I am going to ask you, as we sing our last couple of songs, to come forward through the center aisle, if you don't remember. Come up through the center aisle, take your communion, go back through the side aisles, and, and you can take it at your seat whenever you're ready. Um, the other change, by the way, is that we have a gluten-free option now for those who need it. Thank you to whoever emailed the accessibility team, and eventually it got to me, and then much more eventually I remembered to order it, and <laughs> now it's here. But um, we'll take communion together in this way. While we're singing, you can come forward and take the elements Bring them back to your seat and and take them as you will. Um, May it be for you the real presence of Christ, our Savior. May it be an act of unity with each other. And those uh, uh, worshiping with us online on Zoom or Facebook, you can do the thing that you've been doing all along too and join us in that way. And may it be strength and nourishment for your tired and hungry souls. So let's continue to worship together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.